0: And that is a harsh lesson in business sports is and not uh, as simple you know, my, as bringing a bunch of big names together i didn't want to do another stomp you out speech it opened so, up so many you know, more doors the show is called the, the deal. deal listen to the deal listen to the deal on spotify we've got our take cannons loaded and ready ready absolutely dominant on deep routes
1: absolutely dominant on short routes. boys are back, back excellent separation against man coverage it's reception, perception,
0: the show. Yo, what's cracking, everybody? James, go, Matt Harmon here with you. You're listening to Reception Perception, the show. Uh, as we are in the off season, I guess the off season for us, the uh, the postseason in the NFL. Matt Harmon, how are you feeling today, pal? Feeling great. I think we got um, an incredible
1: weekend of football. Uh, the Monday oh night God, game. Yes. The Monday night game ended up being a bit of a. Um, bit of a dog bit of a one-sided <laughs> affair but I think it was <laughs> true it was incredible from a narrative performance it was incredible from a Kellen Moore Dak Prescott performance so there was a lot a lot of fun parts to, to watch about Monday night but overall I mean even if some of the results um you know look a little lopsided from like even the Seattle 49ers perspective which I know we're not going to talk about that game but like that was that was close in the first half until four, the 49ers just like unleashed the dogs you know they, yeah. they began the onslaught so I you know I I've I, I've often thought that I, and, you know, I guess this is maybe like a heat check on my own take, because I typically think like divisional round is is the best weekend of football. And, and you know, uh-huh. it is it is theoretically the best teams like we got some of the riffraff out this week. Um, but again, calling the riffraff like Miami, the riffraff, the AFC seventh seed, you know, the final seed in the AFC, call them the riffraff. They took the bills down to the wire. You know, Seattle, I think, put together a pretty decent effort there. Um, in, in the, uh, in the NFC, obviously the giants, a wild card team that people were, you know, talking trash on, they end up pulling the, the theoretical upset there in <laughs> Minnesota. So right. I don't know. I've, I've been anti adding extra teams to the playoffs and I've normally been a divisional round purist, but, um, I think the amount of football, the onslaught of football, uh, this past weekend was pretty awesome. And all the games ended up being really fantastic in my opinion.
0: I think part of what has aided that, too, is the fact that you get one extra good team in the divisional. Right. So instead of the top two teams being on a yeah, buy, only yeah. the top seed is on a buy. So like the number two That's seed true. generally is really, really good. You know what I'm saying? So uh, to be able to see them perform whatever it is in a close game or, or not, uh, I think is uh, is is pretty fun. To watch. But one of those teams that was certainly in that uh, divisional was the uh, Los Angeles Chargers. And they did not oh. do that well, my friend. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> oh, they jumped out to a 24 nothing lead. And my wife was like, oh, man, this, 27. Oh, I'm sorry. Sorry. 27-point t- lead. And I, my wife's like, oh my God, this game's awful. And I was like, babe, just wait. Hang on. <laughs> Hold up. Hold up. I've been following charge a long time, boy. Let me tell you. Let me tell you they're going to let them back in this game somehow some way. I'm not saying they're going to lose, but they are going to let the Jaguars back in this game somehow some way, and sure as hell they did, <laughs> man. Oh my god. Unbelievable choke job by the Chargers. Uh I even tweeted it out that uh that there is not a Chargers fan in existence that was comfortable with that 20-point lead going into halftime. Uh, and uh, lo and behold, <laughs> quite prescient was that tweet <laughs> as the Chargers give up the, uh what is it, the third largest NFL playoff comeback in history. Oh, brutal. Up 27 points, up 20 points at halftime and end up losing that ball game, Matt Harmon.
1: Oh, my God, man. Um, you know, I just... The words of, uh, of Austin Eckler on the podcast with me all year, you know, the other show I do, um, we're, we're very, we're in the back of my mind, you know, and he was saying, we've not had like any easy ones all no. year, you know, nope. um, no, even, even not. towards the end, <laughs> really even towards the end of the year, you know, some of the, like that game against the Colts, they probably could have blown them out a little bit better than they did. You know, ma- basically the week 17 against the Rams was really the only time where it's like that, that was a very comfortable, easy, nice win. For the LA chargers. They had been in close games throughout all year. And, you know, just when it seemed like, okay, they've got a, they've got themselves an easy one here in the biggest of spots, 27 and nothing, (laughs) you know, really, I mean, Trevor Lawrence putting together the, I I know we'll talk about his second half performance and everything that was there, but when he put together that end of the first half drive, that was like, without that, they, they might not win that game. You know I mean? That was such a crucial drive from, from Trevor Lawrence. And even still, it was like okay, they got their nice little drive at halftime. That that's nice, whatever. But I mean, man, just God, what there's, there is there. And I know we'll talk about the fact that they they fired Joe Lombardi and and yeah. everything that comes out of that. But that's not that's an offense all year, and there's a reason they don't close games out because they're not they don't they're not built to close games out. You know, mm. they're not um they're not a, a, a not a Tennessee Titans team or you know one of these teams, not even like Dallas Cowboys. Like you know what. When it's time to grind it out with the run game and run the clock out, they can do that. They just they don't have that there for, for with LA for a lot of different reasons. But yeah, I mean, just an unbelievable um an unbelievable screw up
0: by the Chargers,
1: and there's really no other way to say it.
0: Hey, listen, when you have Justin Herbert, you've got Austin Eckler, two guys that are just absolute beasts, the studs. You know, you got Keenan Allen, great player. Uh, I know Mike Williams is out of that one, but that's okay. I thought Gerald Ever played a a, a really good ball game uh as well. The final seven drives for the Chargers look like this. Four punts with two three-and-outs, two field goals, and a missed field goal. You can't have seven drives and no touchdowns when you have that unit. I'm sorry, you just can't do it. And I I know the Jaguars' defense, they came to play. Uh, Make no mistake, they came to play. But at the end of the day, you cannot look at that roster – and tell me seven drives, Matt Harmon, and you can't get a single touchdown out of seven drives. That's that's pathetic.
1: Yeah, it was it was pathetic. And the big again, it comes kind of comes back to that to that run game here for me, because you know, you, you just look at the fact that in the in the second half, when they're trying to grind the game out theoretically, they're trying to, you know, put things away. You look at the the I'm looking right now, the second half carries for Austin Eckler. Uh, first and 10 minus four yards first and 10 <laughs> minus one yard first and 10 right. zero yards first and 10 one yard first and 10 four yards um like they're not getting any push and they're not they're not really able to mount drives when you can't run on first down like that you're so bad because it's like okay well then you're not going to call a run play on for you know second and and second and 14 you know, or, or even like second and 10 <laughs> second and 11, you know, because then yeah. you're going to put yourself in a, in a disadvantage, like a very obvious passing down situation. So then you pass the ball on second down and, you know, we know that there's problems with the Chargers' passing game too. It's not just the run game, but um, right. yeah, man, I, I it, just the inability to close that game out was, was shocking. And, you know, it's funny again, talking to Austin all year, he's been super hard on himself despite the fact he's scored all these touchdowns, despite the fact, nobody scored more touchdowns in the <laughs> NFL the, over the last two years and he's like, look, the running, our run game's not good. Like our run game isn't good. And, hmm. and I'm the running back, you know, whether it's interesting. You know, and I know, I mean, I know Austin pretty well at this point, like, and and this is a guy that's going to usually take on the blame himself, right? He's going to usually yeah. take on that on his, his own, but I, I can speak as someone, you know, in the not that's not in involved in the process or whatever, that there are a lot of problems with the run game that aren't just Austin Eckler or whatever, but he has been pretty hard on himself from that um, standpoint that the, the run game hasn't been good. And he is the face of the run game as the running back. Um, And that was a problem that like those, you know, the hens came home to roost or whatever, the chicken, whatever the hell the saying is there, <laughs> whatever, the um, saying is, right? whatever the saying is that that came, uh, <laughs> that came back in, in a real bad spot here when they were unable yeah. to close out a game. And look, you know, I mean, that's just one part of it that they weren't able to run the ball. There are a lot of problems why they couldn't close yeah. that game out. But um, I, you know, I was talking about Brandon Staley too. I was, I was going back and forth with people this weekend about like, or after the game, like, is Brandon Staley a good coach? Um, I don't know where you come down on this, but I think there's, Two things that are objectively true about about Brandon Staley, actually, three things, two like on field things that are objectively true about Brandon Staley, because I do think he's pretty, everybody says he's great with like relationships and and all of that stuff. The two things that are objectively true about Brandon Staley from an in game standpoint is he's a great, 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 maybe the best defensive game planner in the NFL. I think the game plan that they pitched Jacksonville in the first half of this game was fantastic. A lot of man coverage, forced throws to the outside to Zay and Marvin Jones. Um, right. let's, you know, and those guys are going to be a tight, sticky man coverage and, and Trevor Lawrence, you're going to have to pin those throws on these guys. If you want to hit those throws, I think they got away from that in the second half, you know, and that's really the second point that I think is objectively true about Brandon Staley is right now. He's a terrible in-game manager. He makes terrible in-game decisions, <laughs> not just right. the fourth down and the field goal stuff and all that, right. and like playing starters a week 18, but those, the, the inability to just like, okay, we're, this is working for us in the first half. Let's keep pitching it. Like you, you go to that kind of the more of the soft zone coverage, cover two stuff, prevent defense in the second half, and you just get flayed by these guys that we know are great zone beaters like Christian Kirk and, and everybody else.
0: I mean, they basically played the second half like the game was already over. They they're yeah. playing the 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 second half like it was like six minutes to go uh, in the fourth quarter. That's how they play. I mean, the offense. Kind of obviously took a back seat, and the and the defense took a back seat as well. I think part of it was defensive play calling, as you mentioned. Offensive play calling um, was uh, baffling to say the least. Hey, I want to get back to that run game that you mentioned as well. You got a guy like Austin Eckler, who clearly is not the biggest back in the world, but obviously an extremely talented uh, running back. He's got a lot of speed, and he's got a lot of I don't know, man. He he just has a lot of shakes, right? Like the guy can get loose. Uh, But you got to create space for him because he's, it's not like this is a guy that's going to be able to kind of, um, you know, uh, a gap, you know, gap scheme type stuff where it's just like, all right, let's follow full back into the hole and, uh, and and come out the other side, right? Like that's not his game. He can do it. I'm just saying that's not where he's special. He's special on the outsides. Right. Um, And for me, the chargers are about league average when they, uh, in terms of Percentage of run plays that go to the outside, okay, outside the tackle box. Um, they ran about fifty-two percent of their running plays to the outside, which is about league average. To me, when you have somebody like Austin Eckler, and actually, I'm surprised Brandon Staley coming from that Rams background, uh, and 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 McVay runs so much outside zone. I just don't understand it. W- w- it should be. Every run should be an outside zone run if it's going to be Austin Eckler. You know what I mean? And, and maybe you mix it up like you know Shanahan has done uh, in San Francisco with a, an occasional gap scheme here and there. But I think it starts outside zone. But for me, I, I think when I watch the Chargers play, way too often it starts um, trying to run that ball between the tackles.
1: Yep, I, I think that this is something I've heard the, the last few years, and and I think this is actually this is probably not like insider stuff i think this is generally known as a fact is that when brandon staley got this job with the chargers he really wanted to hire somebody uh from the coaching tree uh you know like this 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 mcveigh coaching tree you know but i'm alex rodriguez and i'm jason kelly from bloomberg this is the deal each week you're here is in conversation with business icons at that point, you know, coming into the 2000, it was coming out of, out of 2020, right? Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was Herbert's first year. 2021 was his, his second year. So mm-hmm. coming, but everybody wanted to hire. Basically, everybody wants to hire somebody off that tree. So yeah. after striking out, he kind of landed on Joe Lombardi, who, and sometimes this can be really good when you go off the friends and family program. Um, you know, We'll talk about the Giants. <laughs> right. They're a great sure. example of, of going away from the friends and family program and how it can be great. But at the same time, you don't really... I don't think that often I don't think this offense with Joe Lombardi, and and um, again, obviously, we at this point we know he's been fired, so it's, it's old news or whatever. But I don't think that they run that system at all, and I don't think that McVay. I mean, excuse me. I don't think Staley ever really wanted to run this type of offense, but he ended up with a guy who called plays in the NFL before, back in Detroit, had a it yeah. comes off a successful coaching tree with Sean Payton, stuff like that. But it just has never seemed to really fit the personnel. Um, no. and, and, and I think that's true with Eckler and I definitely think that's true in the passing game as well.
0: Uh, so the passing game, I think for Joe Lombardi and charger fans everywhere celebrating the fact that Joe Lombardi is gone. I, let me just say two things about, uh, this whole Lombardi firing one. It's that when they fire the OC, I, I don't know, Matt, to me, that is an indication that brand Staley is actually safe.
1: Yep. And, and i tell you what, I, mean
0: I, so. I I think the, I think the biggest, one of the biggest talking points after that big um, comeback loss, uh, comeback win for the Jaguars and, 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 you know, the loss for the chargers was that, Oh, Brian said he's done right. Because, yeah, uh, because again, um, you're talking about some pretty high profile coaches out there that are very interested. Sean Payton comes to mind. Of course, Sean Payton, very interested uh, in this chargers gig, especially with the quarterback that they have there uh, for the chargers. So I don't know when they fire Joe Lombardi, the way they did to me that indicates that Brandon Staley is actually safe. And I think charger fans are like, Oh God, no. Yeah. I I think you're right. I think
1: at this point, I expect Brandon Staley to stay. um, And usually that's the first thing that you start doing is when you have a disappointing season like this and look, the chargers made the playoffs. That's great. It's still a disappointing season for it to end this way. And for most, like it was not a smooth ride. And I'm actually glad that they, I'm glad that they're making some sort of changes because there is definitely a world where you could sit there and say, look at the injuries we dealt with and all that stuff. Let's just run it all back next year and try to do it one more time and hope we stay healthy. Well, number one, hoping you stay healthy has never worked for the L.A. Chargers at any point. Never. But secondly, I do. I do think that Staley is, is looking at this and saying this. Again, this is n- probably not the offensive coordinator that I dreamed of getting when I got a head coaching job. I-, I probably wanted to pluck somebody from that tree. You know, we'll see who they interview. You know, there are guys uh, like Mike LaFleur is available. He obviously comes off that coaching tree. Him and the Jets have parted ways. You know, they could st- he could still Be a great fit. He could try to pluck somebody from um from the Rams. I mean, shoot, the Rams get picked dry every year of coaches. We're talking about <laughs> Staley. That's obviously where he came from. Although right. McVeigh's back, so maybe that's not the case. But again, I think that the personnel really never fit this offense. I think back to the last time I was talking about this was with Andy Barons this morning that, like, the last time that Joe Lombardi was offensive coordinator was with Matthew Stafford in Detroit. Matthew Stafford in 2014, or 2015, Lombardi's final year calling plays there had a 6.45 air yards per target figure. Mm. Um, and that continued in the Jim Bob Cooter. Remember our guy, Jim Bob Cooter? Oh, uh, yeah. Took over, the go. Cooter took over. Uh, and that kind of continued for a while until, I think it was 2018, they finally made a change to Daryl Bevel as the offensive coordinator. Uh, and then Stafford was, like, leading the league in air yards in, like, 2018, 2019. Um, oh, actually, it was 2020. Either way, regardless, like, Stafford eventually got back to his gunslinging ways. I think that's where the charges are at now with Justin Herbert that – whether it's him or whether it's the system, he's now also compounding the problem where they're getting that ball out in the short areas way too quickly. Um, And, and that's kind of, it's really hard. Football is always hard to parse out like who's at fault or what's the primary yeah. thing. And, and it can right. be a lot of like, both things can be true here because I definitely think that the offense is a, was getting the ball out too fast, you know, was too focused on those checkdowns those short throws, stuff like that. But, man, I mean, the receivers are a problem as well. I love Keenan Allen is an elite route runner. He's a great player. But we know what Keenan Allen's game is. Keenan Allen ran like a 4 7 coming into the league. He's been, and he, by the way, he's been in the league for a long, long time now. There's, what would you think? What do you think Keenan Allen runs right now?
0: 40? <laughs> dude, I if I had to guess, probably like, yeah, probably like a four seven five 5 or something crazy, dude. No, That's I'm, I'm, I'm disrespectful. No, he, I'm disrespectful. But
1: he ran a 4 7
0: when he came into the league. You know, and that uh, was. Nah. Like a decade I think, ago. I, I know, I know. I, I think he was a little banged up in in that process. Though. I think I feel like he was coming off of an ankle surgery or so. I don't know. Yeah, Anyways, right. yeah. I think uh, <laughs> no, that's disrespected. I think he could actually run like a four six five. That's that's what I think he could actually legitimately. Either run way,
1: today. either way, that's <laughs> your top receiver, and we know what yeah. his game is. His game is is separation. It's route running, and it's in like he can rip it deep sometimes, but he's not like a speed type of player. You're not sitting there saying like, we got to back off coverage on Keenan Allen, you know, that type of stuff. And then you you talk about Josh Palmer. Uh, People know how I feel about Josh Palmer. Josh Mm -hmm. Palmer's like an, whatever number three receiver. And he's another guy that's a short possession player. And then you talk about Mike Williams. And I know Mike Williams didn't play in this game. And it was almost kind of driving me nuts that like people are sitting there saying after the game, like, well, Mike Williams would have been nice to have Mike Williams. Like, who do you guys think Mike Williams is? Like Mike Williams is a good player, but he's not a number one receiver. It's not like they didn't have, you know, like Devonte Adams out there. Like Mike and Mike Williams, by the way, is a downfield threat because he's a contested catch player, but he's not yeah. giving you a lot of big, wide open windows in the intermediate and downfield game. So, and I, I've been a guy who's defended Mike Williams before, but I think now we've almost like jumped the shark on the Mike Williams <laughs> stuff a little bit here too. So, okay. The Chargers' got pass catchers have a lot of got, have a lot of names But I think there's a lack of, again, speed and separation, downfield stuff there. But then that brings you to the third thing here. I think Herbert has got to, like, you saw it in that game, man. His eyes are moving. His eyes are, like, not open, not open, check down. Not open, not open, check down. Austin Eckler didn't catch a billion passes this year for no reason, right? That's Uh, true. Like, he gets, he's gotten to that check, he's gotten his brain like ticking through those progressions too fast, not waiting for things to come open. It's not because he doesn't want to get hit. It's because he doesn't want to, he's not a, he doesn't want to make mistakes. He doesn't want to throw interceptions and stuff like that. So I don't know. There's, it's almost just like a complete, I don't want to say like the Chargers offense is starting from square one or anything like that, but they're, they've, they are certainly restarting here. And I think they're, everybody's got to tweak a little bit here uh, with, with what's going to happen in LA next year.
0: You know, I, I think the team speed is, we've talked about the team speed being a problem for the Chargers for a very long time, but I, I also kind of look at the box score too um, and to kind of hammer home this Lombardi offense and how everything is so, so short and underneath, you got to understand 15 out of the 43 pass attempts for Justin Herbert went to tight ends. <laughs> I'm sorry. And look, 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 Gerald Everett and Parham, look, they, they had good games, okay? They did, but I'm just saying like, I'm sorry, you you can't run this offense, big arm, Justin Hurt. You can't run 15 out of 43 attempts through your tight ends. It just, that doesn't make any sense to me. I mean, you do that. The defense kind of sort of wins, if you know what I'm saying, you know, Mm -hmm. like, Come on, man. Like you got to stress these guys on the outside. You got to stress them downfield a little bit. Um, and you know what? And and ultimately that's going to give Keenan Allen some running room too. Um, when, when the space clears out, let this guy get on a slant and let him go. You know, I, this yeah. is what we see uh, with other productive wide receivers. When they, when they catch these short underneath routes, sometimes they have a little bit of a runway to pick up yards after catch. And what ends up being a short pass could be a, a long pass, uh, because of the catch and run, and you just don't see the catch and run in this Lombardi offense at all. Because way, way too often, guys are coming back to the quarterback. Yeah, and man, it is impossible stick, stick, to pick stick. up stick, 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 baby, come back route. Let's go those hitches. Oh my god, I, I, I just don't want to see that anymore, man. And so I'm happy the Chargers moved on from Joe Lombardi. That being said. I think it was, as you mentioned, a compounding problem. One, I tell you what, when your checkdowns, Austin Eckler, it's not a bad check. It's a pretty yeah. good check down, man. Uh, and and the, the lack of team speed. So I'll ask you this, Matt, um, in the draft in free agency, where do the chargers kind of sort of need to fix their offensive woes?
1: Not in free agency. Have you seen the the free agent receivers uh, coming up here? I mean, the t- the top two guys are probably going to be right. Juju Smith-Schuster and Jacoby Myers. And I, you know, I love Jacoby Myers, but that's not not that's for the L A Chargers. No, not no, for the no. L A Chargers. Uh, you know, the, <laughs> the best the best like downfield receiver is probably like DJ Chark, and he's more of like in the Mike Williams variety of downfield receivers yeah, than um, right. you know like a big body X that's going to go up and get it. So I think they will have to look to the draft. Uh, Even the guys that I think might be, like, on the trade market, like, uh, you know, DeAndre Hopkins, we know he's going to be on the trade market. That's not really Mm -hmm. what I'm looking for here. Mike Evans, I think he could end up on the trade market. I I love Mike Evans, but I don't think that's what you're looking for here. Um, Then you've got, like, Mike Evans and poor man's Mike Evans with Mike Williams over there. So, a very (laughs) poor man's Mike Evans, by (laughs) the way. So, um, yeah, no, I I think I think that they're looking for they're looking for youth, They're looking for speed uh, in some sort of variety there. And your point about like the route combinations is so well taken. And again, just the way teams are going to defend an offense like this is you're going to squat. You're going to squat. Right. Like um, I think back to the first episode, one of the first episodes of this podcast. We talked about the Dallas offense in week one against Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Feels like a thousand years ago now, based on what happened last night. But um, remember, they were just squatting on all those routes because they didn't respect receivers like Sammy Fajoko and Dennis Houston are our, our guy, right? Um <laughs> they're not respecting the speed. And all and right. and that really was a problem for the entire passing game. That's been a problem for the passing game for the Chargers all year. Think about like the 49ers, man. You for some somebody catches a, a ball for the 49ers and there's no one within like 10 yards of them because yeah. they're spacing out, they're stretching out. Their spa- the spacing's good in that offense. Miami, right? Like not again get- with Skylar Thompson there, but at different points during the year. Jalen Waddle's catching a ball in the middle of the field on a seam route or a deep post, and there's nobody close to him, man. Right. The, the Chargers need both both route combinations like that, and they need players like a Jalen Waddle type or um, you know a, a Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk type that's got a little pop to him. They need yeah. a, they need both of those things uh, to take this offense.